He's good, isn't he? <laughs> and all the time. Amen. Take your Bibles this morning. Turn with me to Romans 13. Now, I know we have set aside Wednesday night for the time being of the night in which we're going to study the book of Romans. And we're going to continue doing that uh, this coming Wednesday night. But I just could not wait until then to share with you what the Lord has shared with me in the last part of Romans chapter 13. So if you will please look in Romans 13 starting in verse number 11 and then we're going to read through the end of the chapter. Let me tell you what I know about God's word. I know it to be true. I know it to be God's absolute truth given to us. Holy Spirit inspired, written down by God's men for the purpose of teaching us what it means to be like Christ. And so uh, this morning I'm hoping and I'm praying you've come with open hearts and open minds ready to receive what the Lord has for you. Now, uh, how do we ready our hearts? I think that's something that we need to answer. We ready our hearts by being hungry for what God has, wanting what God has for us. Jesus said, Matthew chapter 5, um, that blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. That's one of my favorite verses, Matthew 5 and 6, because he's making the promise, if you want what I've got for you, you can have it. All you got to do is want it. You've got to come with expectation. You've got to come ready to receive. Just like you're sitting down at a, at a meal, come ready to eat the meal that's given. And folks, I'm telling you, this morning we can and we should feast upon the truth of God's Word. And I'll promise you this, you'll, it'll strengthen you and you'll grow by it if you take it to heart. Romans chapter 13, starting in verse number 11, listen to what it says. And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent. Watch this now. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us, not, let us walk honestly as in the day, not in riding and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, again for loving us. Thank you, Lord, for already meeting with us this morning in our time of worship. How good you are. We're thankful, Lord, that you've done for us what we cannot do for ourselves. I'm thankful for grace, mercy, love, and forgiveness that comes freely through the cross. Thank you for being good, Lord. Thank you for doing what you've done in my life. Thank you, Lord, for your promise. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for your word. And we're asking, Lord, today that you would speak your truth to us, that you would move me out of the way. For, Lord, I don't know what we need. You know us better than we know ourselves. So I'm asking that you use me as your mouthpiece. Speak to me and speak through me. Fill me up and pour me out into the lives of these people this morning so that you might be glorified, so that the church might be edified, and so that Satan himself might be horrified. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans chapter 13 reminds me of a story that we probably all know to some degree. How many of you ever heard of a man by the name of Paul Revere? Anybody ever heard of Paul Revere? Um, I remember when I was in the seventh grade, we read a poem by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow called Paul Revere's Ride. Some of you may have heard it. 
And, and th it begins like this. I'm not going to read all of it, but I want to read just a, a portion of it to you. It says, Listen, my children, and you shall hear of the midnight ride of Paul Revere. And then it goes on. It's a pretty long poem, and you can look it up for yourself. But it goes on and tells you about the events that took place April the 18th, 1775. April the 18th, 1775, the British troops had snuck their way into Boston. And they were had the plans of attacking Lexington and Concord, small communities outside of old Boston. Uh, they were about to attack them at nightfall. And so they, they were wanting to attack at night because they knew if they did, everyone would be asleep. But something that they didn't count on, there was one man that wasn't asleep. There was one man that was wide awake, and his name was Paul Revere. And after he had learned of what the British troops were about to do, if you remember the story, he jumped on his horse and he began galloping through the streets of Lexington and Concord, and he was yelling out, the British are coming. The British are coming. And man, as he was riding through and, and screaming this out so that everybody know, knew uh, would know that the enemy was upon them, that the battle was about to take place. Man's people started lighting candles in their house and throwing open the curtains and rubbing their eyes from the sleep that was in them. And then the minute men, the militia of the day that were ready to fight um, in, in a minute's notice, they jumped up, grabbed their muskets, went out into the street and began defending their home, their family, their community, their city and their country and, uh, and because of Paul Revere sounding the alarm, because Paul uh, Revere gave everyone a wake-up call, many lives were saved, and, uh, and really um, uh, it was a great blessing that, that he did all of that. And so uh, there's been poems written about him and stor stories written about him, and, and rightly so, because he did something amazing that night. He saved a lot of people. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. This morning, my purpose as your pastor is to be just like old Paul Revere. I want to sound the alarm. I want to give all of us, as the people of God, a wake-up call. Because that's really what the Apostle Paul is doing right here. He's telling us it's time that we, as God's people, wake up. Because let me say something to you. You need to understand this. You need to know that there is a battle raging Right now, there's a war that's going on. Now, I know it's not a traditional war like uh, Paul Revere was, was fighting in, but there is a spiritual war raging today. It's not visible, it's invisible. But I can promise you this, this spiritual war that's going on right now affects the physical in a huge way, in a very big way. And the Bible says we need to wake up. It's high time we awake out of our sleep because there is a battle raging. I'm telling you, the enemy is upon us. I'm telling you, the church is being attacked like never before. Spiritually speaking, there is a war raging and it's time that we wake up. So I'm hoping and I'm praying this morning, this message will be your wake-up call and my wake-up call as the people of God uh, to awaken out of our slumber and be what God has called us to be, what God has saved us to be. Paul tells us here in Romans chapter 13 three things that we need to do, and I want to share them with you this morning. First of all, he makes it clear in verse 11 that we need to wake up. He says, knowing the time, and now it is high time to awaken out of your sleep. What's now? For now is your salvation nearer 
than when we believe. You say, well, Brother Israel, uh, that was said 2,000 years ago. Well, folks, let me say something to you. If Paul believed our salvation was near then, how much more near is it for us today? He's saying, now is the time. It's time that we wake up because the days are growing, uh, growing short. I can promise you, and I believe with everything in me, we are on the threshold of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that according to what Scripture teaches, when you can take God's Word in one hand and the newspaper in the other hand and see how it is fulfilling perfectly, then folks, I can promise you uh, the day is at hand. It's high time that we awaken out of our sleep. It's very important that we get a hold of this message. Has anybody ever heard of Vance Habner? Vance Havner is a great preacher of years gone by. Let me share with you something he said years ago. He said, in today's world, there is anarchy in the world, apostasy in the church, and apathy in the pew. Now, Vance Havner lived years ago and was a great man of God, great preacher of the Word of God. And the statement that he made that I just read to you was true then. But let me ask you something. Don't you think it's even more true now? Think about those three things that he said. I want us to think about this wake-up call. And he, he said, first of all, there's anarchy in the world. The word anarchy itself simply means lawlessness. If you want to see what anarchy looks like, all you really got to do right now is just turn on your television, read your newspaper. Um, folks, anarchy, lawlessness, we see that everywhere in our nation right now. Since uh, the 1st of May, there have been 21 major cities that have had rights. Now, let me, let me make something very clear to you this morning. I want you to get a hold of this. I'm all for peaceful protest, and you should be as well. Peaceful protest is a right given to us as American citizens under the Constitution that we are all supposed to be governed by. Okay, so I want you to know I'm for peaceful protest. And the majority of the protests that have happened, to my knowledge, have been peaceful. But there are others that are being, that, are, that is really right now running wild and, and they are lawless. And you see that plastered all over your television screen, your, your newspaper. Lawlessness is running rampant right now. See, I'm all for peaceful protest, but I'm against rights that take innocent life and destroy personal property that people have worked for all their life. I'm against people looting stores and attacking innocent folks. That is anarchy. That is lawlessness. And I believe that Vance Havner was absolutely right then, but it's certainly right now. There's anarchy in this world to a large degree. It's time that we, as the people of God, wake up. Wake up, church. It's high time that we awaken out of our sleep. Let me tell you why. Let me just give you some things that have went on in the, in the, uh, the not-so-distant past. In 2014, I want to read to you something that a Rutgers Law professor said in the New York Times. Now, this was in 2014, but uh, we're going to see how it applies to today. This is not some nobody with no credentials. This is a Rutgers Law professor who had graduated from Harvard University. Listen what she said. She said that pedophilia is not a crime but a sexual orientation. If you would like to look 
at the New York Times paper that that is written in. I've got the link and I can send it to you. But it was in October of 2014 that she said this. A Rutgers law professor, someone that is teaching kids, well, young adults anyway, it has this type of mindset. Now, let's fast forward to today. Do you think things have gotten better since 2014 or worse? Let me share with you how much worse it's got. Two weeks ago, a state legislature passed a bill that largely, largely decriminalized pedophilia in the state of California. We're talking about people who have been elected to lead and govern. I'm telling you, church, it's high time that we awaken out of our sleep. It's high time as the people of God that we allow God to work on us, work in us, and work through us to be the light of this world, the salt of the earth, and make a difference wherever we are. In our homes, in our workplace, at the grocery store, at our school. Folks, listen, it's high time. we got to wake up. we got to wake up. Has anybody ever heard of the DQSH? Anybody ever heard that? I hadn't either until this week. The DQSH stands for the Drag Queen Story Hour. That's exactly what it says. It's drag queens that come and read stories to children. They are invited all over this country into local libraries, bookstores, and yes, even schools. They've been invited into to read a story to our babies, to kids. Now now think about that just a moment. I've actually had teachers tell me that they can't share their faith at school. They can't tell people about Jesus. I'm not allowed as a pastor to go in and share the gospel, my faith in Christ. We can't put a copy of the Ten Commandments on school walls today, but we can allow drag queens to come in and read to kids. I'm telling you, church, it's high time that we wake up as the people of God. Realize what's going on. The enemy is upon us. And it seems to me the enemy, just like always, is attacking our children. He's always done it. You know, he was all about killing babies when he, he, uh, he used Pharaoh to do it um, when, when Moses was born. He was all about killing babies all throughout the Old Testament as people worshipped Baal and committed human sacrifice when mamas would take their newborn babies and roll them into the flames to, uh, in worship of Baal. Do you realize that? He, and and that, was, that was Satan attacking children and he's still doing it today. Then he used Pharaoh and he used uh, the, the, the worshipers of Baal. And, and folks, he used uh, later on King Herod when it came time for Jesus to be born. Satan used all of those throughout Scripture to attack our children. Now he's using Planned Parenthood. It's the same thing. We all want to talk about how bad the nation of Israel was and how they turned away from God and worshiped false gods. We're doing the same thing. And it's costing our children, costing us our children, costing this world our children. 
It's high time that we wake up. We've got to. We must. Do you realize right now in the United States of America, pastors like John MacArthur from Grace Community Church and pastors like Jack Treber from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California are being fined because they're having church services? Jack Treber right now, North Valley Baptist Church has been fined about $53,000 and they're trying to take away his legally owned leased property where he has his parking places, his parking lot. Simply because he's wanting to come to church and have service like we're having this morning. Don't take this for granted. See, they're, they're Christians, believers in Northern Africa that are dying to, to get to do what we're doing this morning. There are Christians in, in the underground church in China that are being persecuted and imprisoned for doing what we're doing this morning. Don't think that it cannot happen right where we are. It's high time that we wake up. There is certainly anarchy in the world, but uh, Dr. Hadner said there's also apostasy in the church, and he's right. Apostasy means a turning away. Now, let, let me give you just some things that I looked up this week, man, that absolutely blew my mind. The Barner Research Group done a survey on evangelical churches. Now, listen to what he found. 62% of those who claim to be Christians, evangelicals, 62% do not believe in absolute truth. Think about that. If they don't believe in absolute truth, excuse me, 62% believe in absolute truth. That means 48% of professing Christians don't believe in absolute truth. If they don't believe in absolute truth, they don't believe the Bible because we know the Bible to be God's absolute truth for us. If they don't believe in absolute truth, they can't believe in the truth of Christ. If they don't believe in the truth of Christ, what are they preaching? Let, let me give you some more. 58% of Christians surveyed believe in hell. 72% believe in heaven. This is people who profess Christ and are members of churches that are being surveyed. Only 58% believe in hell. Only 68% believe in a literal devil and a real devil. Well, let me ask you something. What are these churches preaching and teaching? Because it's not the Bible. There is apostasy in the church. There is a turning away from the truth. There's a turning away from what we know to be real. From the power of God. Because folks, if you're not preaching the word of God, there's no power in it. If you're not preaching the word of God... Lives can't be changed because lives are changed by the preaching of the Word of God coupled with the power of the Holy Spirit. So we must, we must, listen to me, Mount Zion Baptist Church, we must stick with the standard of God's truth. We're going to preach it from the pulpit. We're going to teach it in our Sunday school. Listen, we're going to live it in our lives. We're going to proclaim it in our homes. We're going to pray it as we're riding down the road and sitting around the dinner table. We're going to stick with the standard of God's precious absolute truth. We must. We've got to wake up. We've got to wake up. 
These things burden me. And I hope and pray it burdens you. Some of the things we've talked about this morning probably make you feel uncomfortable. Good. Good. When you wake up, I usually feel uncomfortable. <laughs> there's, a, there's not only anarchy in the world and apostasy in the church, there's also apathy in the pew, Havner said. He's right. Dr. Billy Graham said that the greatest two problems in the church today is ignorance of the Word of God and apathy toward the work of God. That's good stuff. See, ignorance of the Word of God means that you don't know. Apathy to the work of God means that you don't care. And I'm beginning to see that there's a lot of people who just don't care. I mean, let's just be real. That's where we find ourselves. I got a call just this past week from a, a, a gentleman who works for the State Board of Missions, and he's just calling pastors, praying for pastors, because he knows what pastors are going through. He knows how discouraging it can be to lose members that you had so much faith in. People that you love. People that you wonder what's happened. While we're allowing a, a, a virus that has less than a 1%, less than 1% mortality rate keep us from serving God. I don't understand. And you know what he told me last week? He said that throughout Alabama and Southern Baptist churches, about 30% of congregations have returned. About 30, folks. Why? Because we don't care. It's time we wake up. It's time we wake up. It's high time that we awaken out of our sleep because our salvation is nearer than when we first believe. I'm going to tell you something. Listen to me. The only soul winning you're ever going to do is what you're going to do in this earth. I hear people say, brothers, well, I'll tell you about, man, one of these days when I get everything lined out, when I get everything where I can, and, and I'm not doing this, and I'm not doing that, that I'm really going to serve the Lord. Those days, never they, they never happen usually. Because you're always going to find time to do something else instead of doing what you know you've been saved to do. Satan will allow you to find time to do all kinds of other stuff. I can promise you. That's one of the traps of the enemy. Keep you so busy doing stuff that really don't matter that you don't serve the Lord. Folks, what you do for the kingdom of God echoes throughout all eternity. What you gain in this world will be gone. That's why Jesus said, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth can't get to it, where thieves can't break through and steal, where it won't rust away. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven because listen to me, folks. That's what really matters. James chapter number 4 tells us that our life is but a vapor, that we're here one minute and we're gone the next. So if you're going to serve Jesus, you better do it today. If you're going to trust in Jesus as Savior, you better do it today. You, know, you are not promised tomorrow. Everybody do this. You're not promised the next one. Get right with the Lord. Trust in Jesus. It's high time. It's high time that we awaken. So look at your neighbor and say, wake up. John chapter number 9 and verse 4. Brother, put that on the screen for me, please. John 9, 4, Jesus says something here that 
we all need to see. He said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. What you're going to do for the kingdom of God, you do here. Let's wake up and get to it. But then he says something else. He says, not only do we need to wake up in Romans 13, he says also we need to clean up. He says, verse number 12, the night is far spent, the day is at hand, let us therefore cast off. Everybody say cast off. Get it off of you, the works of darkness. Now, a lot of people think perfect people come to church. You ever talk to somebody like that? I, I was talking to a gentleman not too long ago. He's an older man. I was inviting him to church. I said, man, we'd love to have you. Come see us. He said, preacher, if I come down to that church, the ceiling would probably fall in. You know what he's saying? Really, deep down, what he's talking about is, I've done a lot of things that I'm not proud of, and if I go down there, the ceiling of the church might fall in. I'm not... I'm not worthy enough to come to church. Folks, let me be very clear to you. The church is not a place for straight people who are perfect. The church is a place for crooked people being straightened out by the Word of God. The church is not a place for well people the church is a place for sick people being healed by the power of God. The church is not a museum for saints. The church is a hospital for sinners. So if you're messed up, join the crowd. We all messed up. I know a lot of people don't want to admit it, but that's their problem. I know a lot of people want to sit up on that spiritual high horse and look down and find fault in everybody else, but that's their problem. Listen, we're all messed up people. All I am and all you are, if you've been saved, is a sinner saved by grace. Without God's grace, I'm lost and I'm, I'm undone. I can't sit on my spiritual high horse and look down on anybody. Let me tell you why. Except by the grace of God, there go I. We all need God's grace and mercy. And the good news is, He gives it to you. Now that don't make me want to continue in sin. That makes me want to live in a way pleasing unto Him. Why? Because He loves me so much. Amen? God's grace is available for all of us because we all need it. But now there's some condition to that too. Watch. Go, go with me over to the book of, of James just a moment. Chapter number 4. And watch what he says. James chapter 4 and verse number 6. Everybody look at that. I want you to see it for yourself in your Bible. Watch what it says. James 4 and 6. But he, meaning our heavenly Father, gives more grace. Somebody say hallelujah. Ain't that good? He gives more grace. Let me tell you why that excites me, why I love that verse, because I need more grace. I need the favor of God in my life so that I might be what God wants. 
I need the favor of God in my life so I can be a, a, a godly husband and father, a witness, a preacher, an employee, whatever. I need God's grace. I need God's favor. Without it, I'm nothing. I, I can do nothing without it. So he gives more grace. Who's he give it to? Watch. He gives more grace. Wherefore, he saith, God resists the proud, but gives grace unto the humble. Let me tell you who's going to get God's favor, who's going to get God's grace, the humble. When you're proud and act like you don't need it, God's not going to give it. But when you come to the end of yourself and realize, man, I'm just broken without the Lord. I am nothing without Jesus. When you come to that place, God says, here, you can have all the grace you need. <laughs> He's so good. Now, even the humble don't deserve it. But the humble get to experience it. That's amazing. So we all need God's grace, and it's God's grace and His mercy that it's because of those things that we're, we can be cleaned up. We can cast off the works of darkness. We can be different than the world we live in. See, there ought to be a difference in us as believers than what the world's doing. We ought to act different, think different, talk different, certainly ought to love differently. Told you Wednesday night, this is a place of love. We're the people of love. This is a book of love. We got to show the love of God. Amen. So, the Bible says, if we're going to get cleaned up, we've got to cast off some stuff. And he gives us six things. And he gives them in twos. So that's how we're going to give them this morning. He says, first of all, in verse number 13, let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness. The word rioting means carousing. Everybody knows what drunkenness means. And he says, as the people of God, we should not be walking in rioting, living in rioting, carousing, and drunkenness. That's not what we should be doing as God's children. Then he goes to two more. Watch what else he says. He says, not in chambering and wantonness. Chambering means sexual immorality. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. God is still against fornication. You need to understand that. God is still against adultery. The Bible says, Hebrews 13, 4, that the marital bed is undefiled. So we need to take seriously what God's Word says and act accordingly. Making application of God's Word to your life means that you actually do what it tells you to do. And folks, we're all growing in that. I get it but we need to be growing. We need to be making progress. We need to be stepping out on faith and acting like God's telling the truth. Do what He says. So He says we should not be living in sexual immorality. We, and, and, and then He says wantonness. You know what wantonness? Shamelessness is what wantonness means. We live in a world of shamelessness. It is amazing to me how people do the things they do and there's no shame to it. I see it as a pastor regularly. I'm talking about people take advantage of the church, take advantage of God's people, take advantage of God's money, and there's no shame in it. It's amazing. Listen to what Jeremiah said. Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 6.15, he's called the weeping prophet for a reason. 
because he had a hard message that people didn't like, and, and guess what? It, it caused him to, uh, to, to have a broken heart many times. Jeremiah chapter 6, verse number 15, watch what he says here about the people he was preaching to. Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? Were they ashamed of what they had done that was wrong in the eyes of God? Nay, they were not all ashamed, neither could they blush before they shall fall among them that fall. At that time that I visit them, they shall be cast down, says the Lord. Let me tell you what God is saying. God is saying these people that can't even blush and show some shame over their sin, there's coming a time when I'm going to bring them low. They may think they're high and mighty and they may be proud in what they're doing and proud in their sin, but there's coming a time when I'm going to bring them low. And that goes for all of us. As God's people, we need to understand, hey, sin is shameful. We cannot be proud of it. So he says we shouldn't be walking around and riding and drunkenness, chambering and wantonness. Then he says something else. He says then we should not be living in strife and envy. Strife is those who cause divisions in the body of Christ. I told you Wednesday and I still believe it. And man, we're going to keep preaching it and saying it. I'm going to keep shouting it from the rooftops as long as God lets me. As long as God lets me be your pastor, I'm going to keep telling you, when you have got a people that are unified in purpose, operating by the power of the Spirit of God, listen, walking out, living out their gifts that are given by the Holy Spirit, the sky's the limit. When you've got a people that realize we are many members that make up one body, working by God's power to fulfill the purpose of the head, the Lord Jesus Christ. When you've got that, man, you've got something powerful and real and special and amazing. But Jesus said a house divided against itself cannot stand. Those who would cause strife or divisions are those who bring division among the people of God. And he said we shouldn't be those type of folks. Don't get clicky. Amen? Because Jesus loves everybody. He accepts everybody. He extends grace to everybody. And you'll do the same thing. Amen? Stand for truth, yes, but extend some grace as, as well. We talked about that Wednesday. It's very important that we do these things. But we should not bring division. And, and it's amazing to me the things that people get divided on. Things that don't make a hill of beans usually. I mean craziness. I know you've heard of, just like I'll have, churches dividing and splitting over color of carpet and paint on the walls and light fixtures. That happens. That's silly and it's ridiculous. That should not be said of the people of God. We are to be people that love one another and show it to a lost and dying world. Let's not cause divisions. The Apostle Paul warned the church at Corinth of that. He said there's a lot of people who, who, who are causing strife. And because they were causing strife and there was no unity in the body of Christ, God couldn't work like he wanted to work. But then he says, don't envy. Envy is jealousy on steroids. <laughs> That's what it is. Jealousy says, I want what you've got. 
Envy says, I don't necessarily want what you got. I just don't want you to have it. And that's worse. Hey, I I just don't like it. I don't want you to get what you get. That's envy. And I'm going to do everything I can to keep that from happening. It's vindictive. It's evil. So he says, we as the people of God need to cast off these things because it hinders God's work. If we're going to get ready for the battle, if we're going to rise up, and meet the enemy in God's power, we've got to cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Do you realize when you got saved and trusted in Jesus by grace through faith, yeah, you joined the body of Christ, you became the many members that make up one body. You joined the family of God. You are now sons and daughters of Almighty God by His power. But you also joined an army. You did, whether you realize it or not. And Paul told Timothy that we're to be good soldiers. In the army. He says, you're to, in, in the book of Ephesians, says, we're to put on the armor of God and be ready for the battle that's raging. Now, we know who wins the war, but we're going to have to battle every day. I've read the back of the book. I know who wins. See, folks, I'm burdened by all the things I see happening in the country that I love right now. I'm burdened by it. It breaks my heart. See us turning away from God in the ways that we are. Never thought I'd see it, but we're, we're here. That burdens me, but I want to tell you something. I also know my Heavenly Father is still on the throne. God is not sitting in heaven this morning, chewing his fingernails to the bone over what's going on in America or anywhere else in the world. Let me tell you why. Because he's still on the throne. The heavens are his throne. The earth is his footstool. Everything that's happening is happening according to plan. I don't always understand all of it, and you may not either because we're not God. A finite being cannot understand an infinite being. That's okay. If we could, God's no bigger than us. Trust him by faith. Let me tell you why you should trust him, because he's already showed you how much he loves you. Someone who'd give their son for you, I can trust them. I know they got my best interest at heart, and God's got your best interest at heart. So keep living for the Lord. Keep serving Jesus. Cast off the works of darkness. Put on the work, the armor of light. Clean up. Wake up. But then he says, grow up. Grow up. He says in verse 14, but put you on the Lord Jesus Christ. When we get saved, the Bible says we become babes in Christ. Just like a, we're physically born and we're physically babies, when we get saved, we're born again, spiritually speaking, and we're spiritual babes in Christ. And it's from that moment we learn to grow and be what God wants us to be. See, your eternal life don't start when you get to heaven. Your eternal life started the moment you got saved. And then the process of sanctification happens where we grow little by little, sometimes slowly, sometimes very quickly, but we're in the growing process and it happens line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. Listen, we grow, the Bible says, from glory to glory, line upon line. 
precept upon precept as we apply God's truth by God's power to our lives. <laughs> so we are to grow up as God's people and stop being babies. Babies are selfish. Babies want their own way. Babies, it's all about them. No, listen, folks. As the people of God, we are called, we're commanded to reckon others better than ourselves. To see to the needs of others even before we see to our own needs. And sometimes that's tough. We're called to love people who don't love us back. To respect people who don't respect us. And it's only by the power of God that we do that. We've got to grow up, but let me tell you something else we've got to do. We've got to dress up. We've got to dress up. The Bible says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. When you see someone's clothing, that's the first thing you see, isn't it? I think what Paul is saying is, as a child of God, as a believer, as you're walking through this world, living out your faith by the power of God, people ought to see Jesus on you, in you, and working through you. Amen? Put on Jesus and keep him on. And do not make, do not make provision for the flesh. Now, I want to, don't fulfill the lust thereof. He says, I want to encourage you this morning. You, you can make a decision today to actually take God's word for what it is and apply it to yourself, or you can hit the snooze button and just keep on doing what you've always done, yawn in the face of God, and go about your life. Paul said, it's time we wake up. It's time we wake up. And I want to tell you something. God wants to use you. God wants to use me. God can, by his power, use us to accomplish his purpose. And man, what a blessing it is to be used to the Lord. But he can't do it if we don't wake up. We don't clean up, we don't grow up, and we don't dress up. So I'm asking you. Do what God has put upon your heart. If you're here today and you've never yet trusted in Jesus as Savior and you know that you need to be born again, I've got some fantastic news for you. God loves you right where you are and the same Jesus who has saved me can and will save you if you'll trust him. Trust him today. That's my advice. That's my advice. That's what God's word says. Our life is but a vapor. Tomorrow is not promised. Today is the day of salvation. Trust the Lord. Trust. I want to show you what that means. If you need the Lord today, you come for salvation. If you are saved, and you know that. You know there's been a time in your life when God the Holy Spirit convicted you of your sin. You trusted in Jesus and were born again. You know that? Great. Great. Have you been slumbering? Are you asleep? Paul says, wake up. And I've seen what, he, what the Bible told me this week and this morning. There's some areas in my life in which I need to wake up. 
there's some works of darkness I need to cast off. Lord, help us to do just that. As your pastor, I'd love to pray with you and pray for you however I can. These altars are always open. If you need Jesus, you come. Everybody stand together, please.